Um, and we're going to be looking at several chapters in Hebrews, but we'll begin with Hebrews chapter 12. <clears throat> then once you find your place there, hold it, and then turn to James chapter 1. <clears throat> chapter 12 <clears throat> and James chapter 1. Lord, thank you so much for loving us, uh, Lord, uh, for loving us so much, Lord, that you tell us how to live, uh, what to do, what not to do, um, Lord, that you guide and direct in our path each day, uh, Lord, thank you so much for allowing us to grow, thank you for your Holy Spirit, uh, thank you for the testimony we've heard tonight from Brother JB, I pray, Lord, that you would just uh, give him um, what he needs to make that trip, Lord, and, and all the logistics involved and the finances. I pray, Lord, that you would help him to, uh, to be able to meet those needs. And, Lord, for, for the cause of, of souls being saved, I pray that you would open up hearts. We pray for protection also. And, Lord, I pray that you would now meet with us here as we open your word, that you would just speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that we would grow. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to, to know you and to know how, Lord, you want us to live. And, Lord, to, to have the ability to be able to be victorious in this life. Help us to mature as Christians. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We began several weeks ago looking at how to have spiritual growth in our life. And the challenge that I've, I've talked about each time we've looked at it is that every one of us ought to be growing. When you come to the place in your life, spiritually, when you stop growing, there's something wrong. Now, that might be different if, if physically you get to a certain age and you stop growing. You're not going to get any taller. You might grow in other ways. I mean, you might get wider, but you won't get any taller. But physically, there's a time that we notice. But what, what about at two years old? What if a child stopped growing at two? What if they stopped growing at four? I mean, we all, as parents, we'd be like, there's something majorly wrong here. Spiritually, there's never to be a time in your life when you stop growing spiritually. God doesn't want you to stop growing ever until you take that last breath here on earth or that trumpet sounds and we are gathered together with the Lord in the air. God wants us to continue to grow. And so we've been looking at, so far in our study, we've defined spiritual maturity. We've discussed some of the hindrances to it. Um, we've looked at some of the practical steps towards spiritual maturity. And tonight, I want to continue our study with one of the most difficult steps for us to take. And that step is this. It's patience. Patience. How many of y'all got it all together, have no problem with patience in your life? Let me raise your hand up. Anybody here tonight? Some of you are like, I don't know. It's kind of close. I might be able to. No. This is a challenging one for us. Every single one of us to be patient in the race that God has for us. It's a challenge, but God wants us to, to run patiently, to run with patience. And I want us to begin looking here at James chapter 1, because this has a lot to talk about when it is concerning the subject of patience. And I want you to look there at verse number 1. Notice what it says there, James 1.1. 1, 1. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh, what's the next word? Patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Here we see that James, he spells out the process of the life of faith. 
We're on a journey in this life. We're in a race in this life. And it's the life of faith. Now, when you got saved, how did you get saved? For by grace are you saved through? And that not of yourself is a gift of God. You got saved because the faith that you had, you put your faith and complete trust in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's how you got saved. But you realize that that's not the end of your walk in faith? Every day we are to continue growing in our faith. Did you grow in your faith this week? I'm challenging you. Part of our growth is obviously stronger faith. How does our faith grow? Help me out. How does our faith grow? What's, okay. Yeah, praying, reading the Bible, absolutely. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. How else does our faith grow? We just read a verse about it. What's that? By exercising our faith, right? And, 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 and going through what it says here, the trying of your faith and exercising that faith and going through difficulties and, and, and going through diverse temptations, trials in our life, and growing in that. By the way, it's a good thing for you to be growing in your faith when you get to those trials and those difficulties and those hardships in your life. If your faith is not strong, it can really set you down. Man, it can knock you out of the race. And so we need to be continually growing because there's going to be times we're going to go through these things. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into adverse temptations, he says. Knowing why. Why do you count it joy? Because the trying of your faith worketh patience. And patience have her perfect work. But let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. That's part of growing spiritually, what this is talking about. You see, faith under trial produces patience. And patience is more than just uh, idle waiting. It's more than just saying, well, I'm being patient, I'm going to sit here, and I'm just going to wait. That's, that's, that's more than that. It's much more than that. It has the connotation of endurance. It has the connotation of perseverance under the great trial of fiction that you're going under, that great difficulty you're going through. Patience it helps. It's talking about being per persevere through it. Now, with that kind of a foundation, jump over, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Look at verse number one. We'll be spending the rest of our time kind of bouncing between 12, 11, and 10 of, chapter, of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12, look at verse number one. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience, there it is again, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God, at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3 For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be, what's the next word? And what? And faint in your minds. Lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. It's interesting. I want you to notice the close connection here that we see here with endurance. Jesus endured the cross because of the joy that was beyond it. He endured it for the joy. What was that joy that he endured the cross for? What was it? Help me out. Yeah, us, our salvation, us being able to have a right relationship with God, us being reconciled to God, us having everlasting life and to be able to have that wonderful relationship with Him. He wanted that relationship with us. He was willing to go through it. I think of an illustration kind of to this a little bit is a, a mother going through those nine months of pregnancy. 
and all the challenges that come with that and carrying that baby and all the difficulties of, of being, going through that. And then at the end of the nine months approximately, then going through the challenge of actually birthing that child. Knowing full well though that all of it was for the joy of holding that beautiful baby in your arms. And moms, you know what I'm talking about. Dads, you've been there, experienced that. And knowing it was all worth it. It was all worth it. I was talking to my, my daughter uh, uh, this week, and she was talking about, yeah, you go through all of that, and then it's like, but I want to have another child now. Now, she's not talking about having children yet, but I'm just saying, it's like, if you go through all of that, and there's so much joy that comes from it, you now want to do it again. It was such a wonderful blessing. And you know, I say all of that to say this, Jesus went through all that he went through because he knew by going through that, obviously he planted before the foundation of the world, he knew that going through that, that he would be able to have a relationship with us, that our sins would be forgiven, and that he loved us, that he, we would be able to be the children of God as a result of that. Here's the good part, though, with him. He never has to go through it again. Once for all, he died on the cross, and he did that. He says, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. And so we see what Jesus did. He's the author and the finisher of our faith, and he did it for the joy. And so there's a close connection here with endurance. And so Jesus endured the cross because of what it got in the end. It, it got the, the joy of the cross was us and knowing that he would have a relationship with us. There was only one way we could be saved. And so kind of making that connection now, I want to I bring this down and, and apply it to our life. And let me just say this. How many of you all are tired tonight? Raise your hand up. Anybody tired tonight? This has been a long week, I understand. So try to endure with patience through the message tonight and don't fall asleep on me. I told Brother Randy before the service, I says, man, I'm tired. I've been averaging five, about five hours and 15 minutes of sleep the last three nights. I'm tired. I said, Brother Randy, wake me up if I fall asleep during the message, okay? <laughs> and he said, of course, well, if you put them to sleep, you wake them up. That's what he said to me. So try to stay awake and try to endure. And, and I'll try to make it very to the point tonight, but I think it's very important, this message. I think it's something that, that really every one of us, we need encouragement with. I want to continue to grow. And I don't, want to, I don't want to grow, 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 and then become stagnant the rest of my life or for a long period of my life. And there's a lot of things that cause that. And so tonight, I, I want us to look at this and just challenge you with it. I want you to notice, first of all, go back to chapter 10 of Hebrews, if you would, and notice the exhortation to perseverance that we see. The exhortation to perseverance, Hebrews chapter 10, look at verse 31. Chapter 10, verse 31, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living, of the living God. But call to remembrance the former days, in which after, yet, after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of afflictions. Partly whilst ye were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst ye became companions of them that were so used. For ye had compassion of me and my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourself that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of, what's the next word? Patience. Make sure you got your Bible open. Look there. For ye have need of, what's the next word? Patience. That after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. 
All right, so here we see the book of Hebrews. Who was it written to? Primarily, obviously, originally written to? The Hebrews. Very good. You guys are on top of it tonight. All right. Written to the Hebrews. Who was the author of the book of Hebrews? We really don't know. I, I feel it was the Apostle Paul. Don't know for sure. Of course, it was the Holy Spirit of God. So we know it came from God. And here he's writing to the Hebrew Christians. And here we're seeing a picture of what they were at one time. He's kind of referring back to a time in their life, something that had happened in their life. And the Hebrew Christians had at one time lived lives which were characterized by patience and perseverance. But something had happened at all the edge of their devotion and their determination. There were things that were going on, and, and, and so there was something happening in their life that had really hurt, hurt them, and, and had, had, had probably lots of tribulation, uh, lots of persecution, things that were going on, and it dulled the edge of their devotion and determination. And the connection between the 10th and the 11th chapter is this. In contrast to their present lifestyle, the true character of the Hebrews is that they are men of faith. And when you look at chapter 11, what do we see in chapter 11? What's it, what do we call the chapter 11 of Hebrews oftentimes? The hall of faith. We look at these Hebrews, these people that had had great faith, and we see there the examples of perseverance. And for instance, in chapter 11, verse 7, we see it talks about Noah there. How Noah, uh, he... he, he patiently prepared the ark believing God. How long did he patiently prepare the ark believing God? Anybody remember? Yeah, Owen. Oh, he's close. He's close, man. That was a good, good try. What do you think? Um, what'd you say? A hundred years? Okay, that's close. Anybody remember? A hundred and twenty years. Can you imagine waiting for something for a hundred and twenty years? I can't imagine waiting 120 minutes for something, you know? I mean, we're so, we, we want everything, we want it now. But he, for 120 years, was patient. He was consistent in preaching the gospel. Now, I say gospel because it really, it was the good news message, and it was for life. It was a simple message. What was the simple message that Noah preached? <laughs> what was it, remember? Yeah, judgment's coming, repent, basically. And when the time came, get on the ark. Aren't you thankful tonight that you're on the ark of salvation? Praise the Lord for that. And I'll tell you, for 120 years, he patiently prepared examples of perseverance. Here's an example of perseverance. How about Abraham? Verses 9 and 10. He pressed on looking for the city of God. He, by faith, was looking forward to that city that God had prepared for him. How about Moses? He endured or persevered because he saw him who is invisible. He was looking not at the treasures of Egypt, but looking at what God had being so much more valuable. He was putting his eyes on that which was of eternal value. Moses endured. How many years did it take for Moses to get to his final calling in life? 80 years. He was 80 years old, Brother Randy. Amen. (laughs) I mean, 80 years old before he began what the real calling. And God was using those years prior for him to grow and to get to that place. And God had a special purpose for him, but he endured. He persevered. He had faith in God. We see great examples. There's one after the other. We can go on. But I want you to notice now, if you would, go back to chapter 12 and look at verse 1. Look, look at the, the exhortation that we see then after that. So verse 10, I mean chapter 10, he's talking to them, talking about how that they had per- persevered the past, how that they had had such faith in God, and there was challenges to them. Now they're going through it. He gives them the illustration of all these great heroes of the faith. And now he challenges them in chapter 12, verse 1. He says, Wherefore? 
seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, with this great cloud of witnesses who had persevered, they're looking on, we are exhorted to run with patience. Now here's the thing, we need to remember, the race that we're in, it's not a sprint. It's not, I've seen a lot of Christians, they're on that sprint, and they sprint well, and then they stop. They sprint well. If you're a runner at all, and you've done any running in your life, you know that if you're going on a 5K, you don't run the fastest you can right off the bat. It's, if you're going to, I mean, if you're going to go on a longer run than that, you've got to, you've got to, you have to be, have patience. You need to properly pace yourself. And here we see the beautiful picture. Can you just imagine after seeing all these beautiful, uh, wonderful illustrations of faith in chapter 11, he then says, wherefore seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. He's saying they're cheering us on, you might say. The, the cloud of witnesses, what they've done, they've already run the race, and now they're encouraging you to run the race. And you're, you're moving on and, 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 and winning in that race. And run with patience, he says. You see... We need to be very careful that we don't get discouraged and quit. We have to persevere. And he, he talks about casting off every weight. Every weight. Which brings us to the, the second thing I want us to notice here. Some hindrances to our perseverance. There are some hindrances. In and, and verses 1 and 2, we see in verse 1, he talks about the sin that so easily besets us. See, there's indwelling sin that can be a hindrance. There's sin within our life that can hinder us. That, that word in, uh, beset us, it, it could be mean entangles us. It's like you're running. You ever been running and you got your feet tangled up and you fell on your face? That's not a good thing. You ever been riding a bike off the stage at church and got the mic cord stuck in the wheel? And went hand over hill, head over heels over the bars? It's good to see you here tonight, Brother Nate. I'm glad you're wearing different clothes for this occasion. You don't know what I'm talking about. Years ago, for me, I got to tell the story. I have to tell it, man. Vacation Bible School. We had, used to give away a bike to one boy, one girls, and, and we'd always have a character. And that year, Brother Nate graciously submitted to God's calling in his life to be that character, and that meant he was going to dress up in a dress. <laughs> and a crazy character he was. This was before all this crazy stuff we have today is going on. Then it was just a funny thing. Kind of like the Clown Town Band, uh, the Clown Band in Scottville. They wear those things. Anyway, he didn't look anything like them, all right? Just get your mind away from that. He was a modestly dressed in a dress, all right? <laughs> Until he tried to steal the bike, and it was part of the plan. He was going to kid around. The kids get all excited, get angry. Oh, he's stealing the bike. So he took that bike, and I know, Brother Nate, you're a great bike rider. I've seen you. you. You are amazing. You were down trails I would never think of going down. But he got on the, he went right off the front of the stage on that bike. I think it was a girl's bike because he had a dress on. But he went right off that stage and when he did so, one of the mics was sitting there and the mic turned over and this right here went right into the front spoke. And the wire wrapped inside the wheel. He got about right there. And it stopped. And he went right over the handlebars in a dress, flying down the middle aisle during the church service. He got right with God right then, I'm telling you. I heard him say prayer on the way. No, I'm just kidding. I'm messing around now. Oh, my goodness. Why do I say all that? Because I wanted to. It was fun because he's here. By the way, it's, it's good to see Nate and Charity and the family here. I'm so glad to see you guys again. And um, 
it's good to, good to have him here. Praise the Lord for that. But you know, when we're running in a race, if we're not careful, there's things that can tangle our feet. Now we're talking about figuratively, obviously. There's sins that so easily beset us. It, it sometimes it, it's almost like it sneaks up on us. Now, believe me, it doesn't catch us by surprise unless we allow it to. It's purposeful. We allow that thing to entangle because we have allowed that thing to get into our life and to have, to have some victory. And it, it might start out very small. I can tell you, when he first went off the stage and that line was in there, he had no idea what was coming next. And in our life, when we let that sin in our life, and, and it says that sin that so easily besets us. You know, our old flesh has some sins that are the pet sins that, 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 they, that our flesh loves. Those things that are oftentimes the things that really easily beset us. And sometimes it's because it's something that we have the, uh, the devil already knows we've done. He'll come and tempt us with it. He knows what works. Our old flesh already desires it. And, and knowing that, and knowing that it easily besets us, we ought to make sure that we get rid of it. We ought to give no occasion to the flesh. We ought never to feed it. It ought to be something that's not in the house. It ought to be something that's nowhere near us. We ought to stay as far away from it as we can because it so easily besets us. And yet... If we're not careful, that thing can sneak back in, and sometimes it's there, and the next thing you know, you're on your face. A hindrance to your perseverance. On your face, instead of running the race with patience and continuing on and moving forward, now you're off to the side, and it, it could be all kinds of different sins for, for each one of us. It's that sin that so easily besets you. And so what we must do is this. We must put it away. We must get rid of it, not hide it away. Don't hide it back somewhere where you can pull it out when you want to. Get rid of it. Get it out of your life. A hindrance and dwelling sin is one of another one, a sluggishness. Sluggishness. Look at verse number 3. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Lest ye be wearied... And faint in your minds. You see, these, these Hebrew Christians, they've been running a, a good race. But they discovered that the race wasn't nearly over. That there were many miles yet. There was many things they were going to have to go through. You know, at the very beginning of the church, many of them, they were expecting the Lord to come back tomorrow. I mean, or today. They, they, he's coming back. Hey, praise the Lord. Can you, I mean, can you imagine the excitement of that early church? People are getting saved by the thousands, getting baptized. Things are going great. They're in Jerusalem. That church grew to over 10,000 within, I mean, just a few short months. You look at what happened and how exciting things were. But what happened? Remember how God said, and uh, somebody quote for me Acts chapter uh, 1 verse 8. Anybody want to do that? Amen. So they'd been witnesses because the power of God was on them in Jerusalem. But they weren't moving out. They weren't doing what God had said they were going to do. And great persecution came on them to try to get them to get out of in their comfort zone. You know, sometimes that's going to happen. The race that we're in, there's going to be some difficulties that will come to get us out of our comfort zone. And that's just a side note. There's also going to be times when we have been patiently running the race and we've been faithful and we're getting going and going and going. And we've realized that we're not even halfway there, perhaps. You ever been on a 5K? And you get about one mile in 
Some of you are like, 5K, that's nothing I could do. That. Some of you are like, 5K, I don't even know what that means. Amen. <laughs> 3.1 miles approximately, all right? You get in that first mile, and you're like, oh, man. And then what happens? You start to get tired. You start to get sluggish. You start to say, how much further is it going to be? And you want to throw in the towel. You want to give up. Things start getting difficult. You, wanna, you know what? The same thing is true in our Christian life. We're, here we are. We're in a race. You know what? When I got saved, I was only five years old. I've been in a race for many, many years. I'm 52. I've been running this race. There's times we get tired. We get weary in well-doing. We start looking at it and saying, man, how much more? How, how long is this race going to be? There's things that start happening. And, you know, like this, the pain in your side where you get all kinds of aches and pains. I'm talking about spiritually. Challenges you're going through. You start to get tired. We begin to get sluggish. And it can be a hindrance to our perseverance. I've known a lot of people that get to that place and they throw in the towel and they give up because they're tired. They give up. They get discouraged. They slow down. They're no longer running in that race the way they used to. They start to get so weary because of the obstacles. They get their eyes on those obstacles, those things that are there before them. And, and yet, what we should be doing is when we're running this race, we ought to be looking at the, the goal line. We ought to be looking at the finish line. Get your eyes off the obstacles. Get your eyes on the finish line. Get your eyes on the goal. We get sluggish because we lose heart as well. We want to be done. I just wanted this to be over. I'm ready to go. You know what? I could go to heaven right now and I'd be happy. I'd be happy. I honestly would. I'd love for the Lord to come back tonight. How many of you would love for the Lord to come back tonight? Can you say amen? I would love for him to be back tonight. Amen. That's right. But what if he doesn't? There's some people that try to name dates. I've been watching things and people are naming dates. They're talking about this. and that. Of course, that's, they've been doing that for a long time. It's nothing new. Don't eat up that stuff and think that. I've seen what I've seen people do. They start naming those dates. People start looking. I've heard people selling everything, and then the day after that day, they have nothing. And man, I'll tell you, then they're very discouraged. Very discouraged. We ought to keep our eyes on the goal. We ought not grow weary. We ought not lose heart. It's a hindrance, and you can mark it down. Every one of us are going to be challenged with that. Another one is chastisement. This is an interesting one. This is a hindrance that a lot of Christians are hindered in their race. They get discouraged. They don't persevere, and it's because of chastisement. Look at chapter 12, verse 5, if you would. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto... What's the next word? Children. My son... Despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure a chastening, God deal with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers that are children, then ye are bastards and not sons." Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Man, what a, what a powerful 
uh, passage of Scripture that we see here. You see, a misunderstanding of God's chastening hand can cause people to give up. There are some people that under the chastening hand of God, they think that God doesn't love them. There are some people that they're running the race and God chastens them for something and, 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 and they get all upset by it and they get all uh, hurt by it and they say, I'm going to throw in the towel as a result of it. And they have what many times, I, I tell you, for kids is a natural reaction. You ever had, well, don't raise your hand or say it, but you ever heard a kid say after you've chastened them, I don't love you. He's got his hand up, by the way. Did you see that? Oh, man. I don't love you, or Mom, you don't love me. Now, my kids, I don't remember ever them saying that to me. They might have said it to my wife. I don't remember. Where's my wife at? Is she in here? Where's Charity? Oh, there you are. Did our kids ever say that to you? If so, which one? i got to talk to them. No, what's that? I'm kidding around. I don't remember that. But Charity has shared with me that her and her sister, when her mom would discipline them, they'd yell down the stairs, Mom, you don't love us anymore. I wouldn't let my kids get away with that. But she did that. And you know what? Kids do that. Now, is that true? Because mom chastens you that you don't love. Now, mom doesn't love the kids anymore? Of course not. We know that. But hey, you know, there's times if we're not careful, we're in this race, and we're running the race, and we let that sin that so easily besets us get in the way. And then God, in his love, chastens us because he loves us. And many times, sadly to say, there's Christians that will get upset by that and they'll allow that then to the chastening hinder their race and the perseverance. And they, they, then they start to blame God for why they're throwing in the towel. God wasn't there for me. God, He chastened me. God doesn't love me. Hey, listen, God loves you more than you could possibly understand. God loves us beyond our comprehension. And I can tell you this, that when God chastens you, it's because He loves you. It's because He wants you to have victory in your life. God loves us. We need to accept it as correction from a loving Father. We need to understand that that's why God does chasten us. And so there's hindrances. There's indwelling sin. There's sluggishness. There's chastisement that would cause us to be hindered if we're not, not looking at it the right way. And then thirdly and lastly, I want you to notice some encouragement to persevere. The encouragement to persevere. And there are three considerations which are are, are foundational when we look at this race. First of all, the race that we're running is marked out for us in the Word of God. So this is the encouragement. I don't have to run a race without knowing what race God wants me to run or how to run the race or where to go or what to do. God gives us direction in His Word. Don't get discouraged with thinking, well, I'm trying to run the race, but I just don't know how. Well, do what the Word of God says. God, it's a foundational thing for the race to know that He's marked it out for us in the Word of God. Number two, the race has been run by others. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. The race that we're running right now as a child of God and the race that God has set before us, listen, countless thousands have already run that race. They've been where you're at. They've gone through what you've gone through. Some way worse than what we've gone through. Man, I'll tell you what, where we live in this country and the things that we have, we don't see nearly what people have gone through. And yet these people were faithful. You look at the, the, the hall of faith there in Hebrews chapter 11 and what they went through. and They ran that race. And if they did it, guess what? I can do it too. If they were victorious and they had the faith and they, they endured and, and ran that race well, I can do it too. People ran that race and you might say they've actually handed the baton off to us and now we are to be faithful in running that race. 
We are to set the example. We are to show our children that, yes, we can run this race that God has for us. And the third thing that's foundational to the encouragement to persevere is this, is that the race has been run by Christ. And look at verse 3. He says, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your hearts. Lest ye be wearied and faint in your hearts. Listen, we must never lose sight of our goal. It's Jesus Christ. Get your eyes on the Lord. Get your eyes off everything else. Get your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, spiritual maturity means becoming more and more like Christ. But more than that, we need to consider Him. Consider Him. That means that we must look at our own lives in the light of Christ's experience, of what He went through, how He endured, how He kept His eye on the goal. He kept His eye on the finish line. You know, here's the thing. He knew about every single uh, difficulty and temptation he'd go through, the troubles he would face, the persecution he would face, the people that would turn his back on him, the people that, that, that would spit on him, the people that would beat him. He knew about all the sin that he would have to endure on the cross, and yet he continued on and never threw in the towel and never gave up. Consider Christ. Consider what he went through. Consider that he never gave in, but he continued on and he patiently uh, continued in that race and he persevered. And as a result of it, we have salvation today. I can tell you this, life is difficult. Times are tough. We go through difficulties. There's times we get tired. There's times that we, we perhaps are under chastening of God. There's times we allow sin to get in the way. But understand this, we can be victorious. We can continue to persevere. We need to remember to run our race patiently. I ask you tonight, are you running patiently? Are you committed to the long haul? Are you still in the race? Do you have your eyes fixed on the right goal? What are you focusing on? There's no shortcuts to spiritual maturity. We have to be determined to stay in the race until we reach the finish line, until we're called home. We have to continue and run the race with patience. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed as we pray. Lord, we thank you for loving us. Thank you, Lord, so much for enduring the cross for us. Shame, all the pain that you went through. Lord, I thank you so much tonight that you set the example for us to how to run the race. Lord, you set the example for us keep our eyes on the goal. Lord, I pray that we would keep our eyes focused on you. Lord, I pray that we would lay aside every weight, that sin that so easily besets us and tangles our feet, things that would pull us down and keep us. Lord, I pray that we would not get weary in well-doing. Lord, that we would continue to grow. Lord, I pray that we would, tonight, if there's some that perhaps are here that have gotten out of the race, Lord, they get back in, they begin growing again spiritually. Get back into your word. faith growing, get back into service, moving forward. And Lord, that we would realize the race that's set before us is not just for us, but Lord, that we're leading by example. And Lord, that we would be the example of what it means to be faithful and serving and growing, persevering, being patient, trusting. Lord, challenge our hearts tonight. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, let me ask you tonight, do you know Christ as your Savior? Have you been born again? If that's your testimony, would you lift your hand up high? Say, yes, I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. God bless you. 
Let me put your hands down. Christian, are you growing spiritually? It's just something that's got between you and God. It's something tangling up your feet. It's God speaking to your heart tonight. I would invite you tonight just to go between you and the Lord and ask God to show you. Are you growing spiritually? How's your faith? Are you becoming stronger as a Christian, maturing? If not, why not? Maybe you've been persevering for years and you're getting weary. Would you get your eyes back on the Lord tonight? Would you trust Him? Maybe God is speaking to your heart and He might be chastening you. Would you thank Him and confess that sin and ask God to forgive you? Are you running patiently? I invite you tonight to listen to the Holy Spirit of God and obey His voice. And I encourage you as a Christian, keep on keeping on. Don't give up. Get your eyes off the obstacles. Don't get weary. Don't faint. Keep your eye on the goal. Lord, I pray that you'd move in this invitation. Lord, speak to our hearts. Lord, that we would continue to grow. Lord, that we would see you work in a great way. And Lord, that we would truly be people of faith. People that have patience and trusting and growing in you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I invite you as God spoke into your heart tonight. Won't you pray?